nobody knows what to do. <laughs> and, and it's okay not to know, right? So it's like we're, we are both learning. And I say that all the time. <laughs> I'm like, boy, this was really good learning for us, wasn't it? I did not realize that about you. I did not know that that frightened you. Welcome to the Parenting ADHD Podcast, where I share insights and strategies on raising kids with ADHD straight from the trenches. I'm your host, Penny Williams. I'm a parenting coach, author, ADHD-aholic, and mindset mama, honored to guide you on the journey of raising your atypical kid. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Parenting ADHD Podcast. I'm really excited today to be talking to Beth Grushkin from Fuzzy Mama. And we're going to talk a lot of general stuff about ADHD and her experience with her own kids, being adventurous, using creativity and activity to help our kids to learn and grow and thrive. Will you start, Beth, by introducing yourself? Let us know who you are and and what you do. Sure. Thank you. And also, first of all, I just have to say, I am so excited to be on here. Your site was was actually, you know, one of the first ones that I found and I just consumed it because I was looking for someone else who was going through the same things as me. So, so just thank you for that, you know, for your work. But, um, I am the mom to two amazing boys who happen to also have ADHD. Um, my husband has it as well. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I am in a household with three boys, three men. I have um, actually been a teacher for about 25 years. That sounds like a long time. Um, (laughs) And so I actually started, you know, my blog because I just wasn't finding information out there. Um, I started it probably about four years ago and I was really struggling and I was doing so many things for my kids and I thought, I need to start writing this stuff down so that maybe I can help someone else save time, energy, money, all of those things. So, so yeah, so that's a little bit about me. Isn't it interesting how our kids kind of define our journey? (laughs) I don't think you expect that when you have kids at first, but no, you don't at all. And you change your life. Yeah. I, I didn't even get married until I was 37. So I I had my kids at 38 and 40. So mm. I am definitely on the um, older end. And um, boy, I had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> no idea at all. And so, parenting in it, general will do that. But when you throw ADHD in the mix, it's a huge shift. It's It takes you places you never thought about. Exactly. Good and bad, right? Get the full spectrum of everything. So yeah, I mean, I'm definitely a better person for it. No doubt. Oh, yeah. I have learned so much from my kids. It's incredible. Do you want to start just by telling us maybe your story with ADHD, your journey for um, recognizing it or diagnosing whatever you're comfortable with sharing and yeah, your sure. boys are comfortable with sharing? Um, well, I, I will overshare, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
so you can stop me anytime. Um, yeah, so I think that I probably noticed when my boys were probably about three and one, I was exhausted. And now, I, you know, I mean, I think everyone could say the same thing, but my oldest just had so much energy, 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 energy for days, but not in a bad way always. I mean, he would, he started talking full sentences. I kid you not at like 16 months and just wow. <laughs> would just talk to me in full sentences nonstop, you know? And so I was always like, Oh, he's so smart. And, but it, it was exhausting and really, really hard to kind of know what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I also remember um, my oldest being so sensitive to things, right? I mean, it doesn't come with just one thing, sensitive to loud noises, sensitive to scary movies, scary books, sad books, just like so empathetic to to others. I mean, I think when, when he was about three, I remember reading him a book and, and I look over and he's in tears and mm. like, what is wrong? And he's like, what's going to happen to them? Mm. <laughs> and I just had no idea that he was going to take that. Oh my gosh. You know, I just remember that moment. Like this is something. Um, yeah. Something different. Yeah. But you know, preschool, um, went fine, did well, you know, busy boy. Um, And it probably wasn't until first grade that I really noticed some things that I was like, "Uh uh-oh. So I I remember that they had to learn math facts. And boy, his school was really doing it in in a way that surprised me. It's like every, every week, you know, they would do a math facts quiz and then their score would get put up on a bulletin board oh no (laughs) yeah now can you tell me that i mean i was so shocked i was like why isn't hasn't anyone said anything about this before like talk about anxiety producing right Yeah. yeah starting in first grade and and i remember saying something to the principal you know to the teacher and everyone just well, that's the way we do it. You know, it's very motivating. I thought, uh-uh, it's not motivating. It's very damaging. <laughs> and right. I, I would, you know, care to guess more than half of the kids. So that's when I started to see the anger, the anxiety, that I, I would just see my son's, like, fists and just anger just roll through his, like, whole self. Yeah. And, I mean, I had no idea. and so you know, what did I do? I thought we have to practice more. We really have <laughs> right. to practice our facts more because he has to learn his facts. So, you know, I made all, all sort of mistakes. Of course we all do. Yeah. And, um, so I, I would say that that was kind of the biggest, like, uh, Oh, this isn't good. Yeah. <laughs> what led you to like an evaluation? Um, so that didn't come until third grade and we had been seeing a therapist and again kind of school stuff started to you know happen a little more like talking all day long in class <laughs> um things like you know that and so the therapist just said hey why don't you just 
see what comes up, um, which I was fine with. But then really surprisingly, like everything happened so fast. It was like, you know, you get the test, then, you know, you're told, okay, you know, what's the med that you want to go on? (laughs) Right. Do you want to pick this one? Okay. I mean, there was like, there was no, like, here are the results of your test. And there was no explanation whatsoever, whatsoever. It was now you must go see this other person and when to go see her. And and it wasn't, I mean, I, I was okay, you know, at that time, you know, meds, I, I thought, gosh, maybe it'll help. Um, but yet no explanation what's whatsoever. Yeah. Um, our, our experience was the same. Yeah. I, yeah. I just think it's very strange. And so we got another one just, you know, three years later after, after that totally different experience, completely different experience, but I also knew what to ask for. Yeah, I, I asked for what are the what does this mean? Why did you give him this? You know, so I knew so much more, but I'm so surprised at just how much really parents are not explained any very much of anything. Yeah, you know, which is why I do what I do. I mean, yeah. that's that was the catalyst for me was. They didn't give me any information. They gave me a diagnosis, three fact sheets that were one page each and a prescription and mm-hmm. sent me on my way and said, we'll see you in 30 days and check on all uh, check on medicine. And I was like, wait a minute. First of all, you know, you just knocked me off of my center of gravity. Give me some time to <laughs> process this because I was really blindsided by ADHD. That was not what I expected. And then, you know, give me more information. Tell me what I can do, which they don't do when you get a diagnosis. And so being the type A fixer that I am, I was desperately seeking, what do I do? And then I was like, just like you, well, I might as well share all this stuff if I'm going to gather all this information. And that just, of course, snowballed. But that really is the story for probably 95% of parents who get an ADHD diagnosis, we don't get enough information to even understand what's going on in our kids' brains, even the nuances, you know, all of these hidden things, the emotions, the empathy, you know, the the extra sensitivity that your son was showing. Um, You know, they just tell us, well, hyperactive, impulsive, inattentive, right? (laughs) Here you go. And it's so much more. And so we just have to go forward and figure it out, right? We just have to keep trying different things. And I know that's very much your experience too. Completely. And we, I mean, I I didn't know any better. So (laughs) we could go back and I'd say, well, that drug really isn't working. In fact, it's kind of making things worse. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Okay, then try this one. There was... There was nothing about food or sleep or things that I could do, you know, parenting things to do. Absolutely nothing. So it's tough, you know, you're just, you're flying blind. Yeah. And that's why I just went crazy. Um, you know, cuckoo. Yeah. Me <laughs> Pretty too. much because I was like, no one else is, I, you know, I, I know there must be an answer to this. There has to be. And, you know, right at the beginning, I thought it was one thing. 
right? I thought, yeah. what is it? Is it gluten? Is it dairy? <laughs> is it dyes? Does he need more sleep? I was, I was looking for the one thing. And well, now I know it's not just one thing. In fact, it's 20 things or more than 20 things. So that's something too that I really learned on the way. Yeah. It's really the whole of the person. Yeah. You know, while it's one aspect sort of of brain functioning, I guess if we want to boil it down to simple terms, it's it's everyday life. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it impacts so much of their being from cognitive to executive functioning to emotions, so many things, social. It's everything. It's everyday life. And that's, I think, the journey to figure that out. You know, for me, it was a pretty long journey because there wasn't a lot of information out there. I I hope now that there's more information, um, people are blogging like you and I and other services. You know, there's so much more than there was 10 years ago. But it still feels like a matter of people figuring it out. And I think part of that is because every kid with ADHD is still different. You know, your son and my son are very different. They have similar diagnoses, but they still have a different brain and a different experience even from each other. And so you have to learn more about your own child. You have to really see how it's affecting your child as an individual and go forward from that. Yeah. And you know what? My two could not be more different. Yeah. (laughs) So I see it every single day. I mean, one is loud, super active. The other one is not. He can be up in his room quiet as a mouse for hours, you know? doing something that he's not supposed to be doing or that I don't want him to do or, you know, but it's, it's so, so different. And they change as they get older too. Yes. <laughs> like it yes. seems like it's always kind of a moving target, but yeah. and that's even more, you know, expressive of why we really have to look at who our kids are and where they are and look at the totality of their experience in order to do the best we can for them, to be the most helpful that we can. Um, Do you want to talk a little bit about some different approaches that you've taken with your boys that have helped? Um, I know that you yourself have an adventurous spirit, and I imagine that you have imparted some of that on your kids as well and creativity, and there's so many avenues really to explore to help our kids. Yeah, you know, I I think ever since they have been really small, I've just really been so observant of them and what they like to do and really followed them. I mean, both of them needed sleep. And so they literally had a bedtime at 6.30 until they were three, I think, or four. But it's like, oh my gosh, people would make such fun of me. Like, oh my God, come on out. You know, bring them out. It's okay if they don't get get sleep. Um, No, (laughs) you do not want to be in my home, you know, the next day. So there were things that that I learned on the way that were not really the norm. And um, And we kind of have to push that norm away. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, 
really, I've been doing things with them since forever that others have thought like, oh, that is really strange or, oh my God, give them some sugar. Right. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I mean, the way people push food is just incredible, right? Yeah. And, you know, not that they never have any of, of that, but I live with them. So I know what they're like when they have sugar or junk food or whatever. So I think I've really done things that are a little out of the box since, you know, really forever. It's nothing that I learned. It's just something that I, well, you know, that I learned from them. Screens is another thing. Screens is such a, such a hot issue, but I saw my kid on a screen when, when he was, you know, two. Now we did wait that he had virtually no screens until about two, which I know now is really hard to do, right? I mean, kids are on their mom's smartphones and stuff, but, but the, I was just dying to have him sit and watch a show. <laughs> <laughs> to get some peace, to get a reprieve, right? Yeah. Like, so that I can go do laundry or something. But after that show, forget it. I mean, it turned him into like a zombie. He could not hmm. come back. He could not do anything else after that, which is why we, we all, I mean, if you know, we ever have, have any screen time or anything, it is at the end, end of the day, five o'clock at night, because I just know them. If they're on it first thing in the morning, they will not be able to come back. Yeah, which is so interesting because like my son, uh, he earned screen time in the mornings by getting ready and being ready on time. And for him, it was very calming and soothing before school. It kind of grounded him, um, it gave him some sensory stimulus to calm down. So it's crazy that, you know, even that can be very different. But for a lot of kids, once they have that stimulation, they can't go to normal, like you're talking about, you know, that right. shift then to, oh, I have to find my own sensory input now. I have to get stimulation somehow. Yeah. And, and that can ramp up behavior or can make kids just kind of shut off. Yeah. And, you know, that's, it's like everyone has to figure out what's the right thing for their kid. Yep. Right. But that's where it's just experiment after experiment after experiment. And you'll eventually figure it out. Right. And so you get these small wins and they just kind of, you know, really build on each other. So cell phone, you can imagine how cell phones yeah. <laughs> or go. Um, we held off. My son did not get one until seventh grade. And it, it really became a social thing because he has a hard time really making friends. And so I thought, oh my gosh, Really, ev that's everyone. I mean, you know, that's how kids are social now. Yeah. Love it or hate it, it that, that is. So, you know, we finally got him one in seventh grade. And, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, put some limits on it, um, blocked things and sure. everything. Because I think kids really have to learn. It's like now, now he had it. So, you know, there's a lot of learning for them with that. Um but then, then he ended up losing his phone <laughs> this year, right at of the course. beginning. And I said, you, you have to earn, you know, the money back, which how does he earn money? It's doing, you know, jobs for me. But 
I said, hey, if you really want it, you have to come and ask me. And he never asked me. So guess what? He still doesn't have a phone. No. <laughs> He's so, like, well, not worth the effort. I'm done. Well, and right now at home, though, you know, our right, kids are right, not going right. anywhere. It's different. And, you know, I mean, frankly, you know, we're going to get him one, you know, because high school, he has to have one. Right. I mean, teachers send you texts and stuff. I yeah. can imagine. So, yeah, but, they you know, do I mean, it's interesting. He didn't even really want one bad enough. So, so he's been without one for several months. So that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. My son never lost a phone or an iPad, surprisingly, because that was my biggest fear since they're so expensive. And he was using an iPad for school. So every day he was taking it. Um, he's broken many, <laughs> but he has never lost one. And he's the kid that loses everything. He would, you know, lose his nose if it wasn't attached to his face, right? So, so different. It's so amazing how our kids are so similar and so different. Yeah. And, you know, really, I think for me, probably the adventure really is, you know, just the learning, constantly learning. One, you know, really screens are not bad, but what what I don't like about screens is that when, when you're on a screen so much, then you're not doing other things. So, yeah, there has to be a balance. Yeah, so I never wanted, you know, my kids to stop reading. You know, Legos, they still will spend hours. I mean, we have Legos, like you would not, you know, believe. <laughs> oh, I <laughs> Probably believe. <laughs> two billion of them. Um, but they will literally sit for hours still, make their own creations. I mean, they are amazing with it. And I think, gosh, I am so glad that I really held off on you know, that other stuff. Cause now, you know, look at what they can do. Look at, you know, their skills are amazing. So um, and that they still enjoy stuff like that at their age, you know, middle school age is pretty remarkable. Yes. Most middle schoolers, you know, they might still be into sports or something, but otherwise it's kind of social stuff and technology and yeah, boys to still be building Legos and which I know plenty of adults who love to build Legos. It's not, I'm not saying that it's, you know, only for elementary kids. I'm just saying mm -hmm. so many kids now they put all of that kind of hands-on creative and what I would consider a toy, I guess, for lack of a better word. Right. They just, they discard all of that and right. say, okay, well now I'm, I'm this other it almost feels like there's no transition. To me, it didn't feel like there was any transition. It was like one day we're playing with toys, then the next day it's like, nope, I'm too old for all that, you know? And I know. And frankly, it kind of makes me a little sad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because, and creativity is so powerful. It's just in day-to-day -day life, like being creative is an outlet, but it's also therapeutic and it can also really show our kids that they can succeed at something, that they could even be talented or good at something. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's why too, I really wanted that because both of my kids are really good in that. And it's something that they can really, you know, look at and say, wow, look at this thing I can draw, look at this thing I can make. You know, because in other other areas, you know, they really struggle yeah. writing or math or they get told, I don't know how many times a day, <laughs> mm -hmm. stop talking or, you know, so I, I just really wanted to be able to have that so that 
they could just really feel good about something. Um, and I still now I still make sure that I have cool markers and pens and they have notebooks. And so I just make sure that I have those things around always, you know, so that they pick up a pen so that they draw. So, you know, they journal. Um, mm-hmm. so, but that as they are getting older, that takes a lot more work from me. Right, you know, right. It's like you said, they aren't as inclined. They want to, you know, mom, can we get on games now? You know, can we do video games? So. And it's hard too, because that's what the other kids are doing. That Their peers are, you know, a lot of them are spending time on online and right. ways, but they're connecting that way. Yeah. And yeah. So it becomes harder to keep our kids, you know, to have that be less of, of their day-to-day life when, they're seeing all the other, you know, every kid wants to be like the other kids, right? And especially right. our kids with differences, you know, that they're so acutely aware of. They really gravitate to what can I do to be like everybody else? Yeah. And if if it's anything social, I'm like, okay, you know, that's fine. You know, get on screen, you know, with so-and-so. Yeah. That's fine. Because I'm like, okay, that's just what they do now. So... And they're building skills doing that. Yes. If they're not face-to-face. Yes. Still building some social skills. They're learning some social nuance. Not to mention, you know, in the games, they might be learning problem-solving skills, executive functioning skills. They're strategizing. You know, they're they're looking for allies. And so there is a lot, and, and not in every game, but in many things like Minecraft, are really big with creativity too, Mm -hmm. in addition to all these other skills that I just mentioned. And so it's not like it's all bad. There's a time and a place for it and a certain amount of time. And, you know, I think it's important to recognize that for our kids that it's not just all negative. Like they do get some benefit from it too. And um, in their eyes, I think the perceived benefit is far greater than in ours, but you know, it's important to them. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no, for sure. And, you know, that's something too. I mean, I have learned there's some really awesome things out there. What about other creative outlets? Or I'm just thinking like, do you try to plan time for creativity or you just kind of offer things up and hope that they will use them? Yeah. You know what I do? I sit down. I'm like, I'm going to go and draw. (laughs) And God yeah. darn it, if they don't come and join me most of the time. It is so awesome. powerful because, you know, really as parents, we have to do this stuff too, right? I mean, if I swear, my kids are going to swear. Right. <laughs> and I do, and I've heard it. So I have heard it back at me. So, yep, yep. you know, we just have to model that for them. Really, just about everything. I mean, we have to be kind to them that, you know, model what I want. And yeah, that is super powerful. Yeah. And it's not part of really traditional parenting. You know, we're not, we're telling our kids what to do. Do as I say, not as I do. Right. And we don't think about, well, if I sit down and do something creative, maybe my kids will also, you know, they're going to see the value. They're going to see that you feel like, it's worthy of your time. They're going to be curious about what you're doing. 
that's such a huge, huge um, strategy, even though it probably it may not be a strategy intentionally, you figured out that it certainly was really powerful. And, yes. and I think just, you know, playing with our kids and interacting with our kids as they get older, it gets harder. They're not as interested in us anymore. Um, but if you're fostering that as they're growing up, and you're still showing interest in what they're doing and trying to engage with them in something of interest, they will continue some of that as they get older. Yeah, it's it's awesome. Yeah. What about, do your kids spend a lot of time outside? Are they outdoorsy kids? They do. And that I, I have to thank, you know, my husband, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, they go on hikes. They go on 10 mile hikes. In fact, they have gone wow. on a 20 mile hike, which is fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so he, he has been the one really to do that. Um, they go camping. So that has been awesome for them. And then that's kind of, you know, me time. So right. You're getting your rest. They go camping in a tent. <laughs> <laughs> I stay home, <laughs> and I, because I, you know, it's so funny. But I am someone who just loves quiet, and you can imagine I, I don't get it very much. Yeah. So, plus, you're giving them the time to really bond with dad. Yes. You know, I think so often moms are spending more time with kids, and I, you know, there's a, a myriad of different reasons, but you know, giving dads time or giving the other parent time to to really have just with them is super valuable to our kids. You know, they're they're digging deeper into their interactions with that other parent. Yeah. And it's that we have to have time. I mean, my goodness. And that's something that I'm not super good at. <laughs> I, you know, give, 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 give. Yep. But boy, do we have to because I have been so run down. <laughs> and that's not good for anybody, right? Then I'm a mean mom and a mean wife and mean everything. But that's something that I'm still working on. So I just I'm recorded <laughs> an episode on the fact that we have to feel good to do good, which I got from an episode of Brene Brown's Unleashing Us podcast was inspired by that, but that, you know, that piece of self-care, even if it is just getting a little quiet time is monumental. It's it's monumental to our kids. You know, we, when we talk about self-care, we automatically think that it's selfish, especially for moms. You know, if you're a mom, you're a mom, 110%. You're nothing else. That's kind of our cultural expectation. And, and we need time to be who we are independent of that but we also need time to just be at peace and to recharge um, in order to really be the best parent that we can be um, which is what we want so badly that's why we sacrifice ourselves right? right to be the best parent we can be but then it ends up eroding that potential 
Um, and we just don't think about it, you know, because we're, it's kind of driven into our heads that if you're a parent, you're a parent, like it has to be all of you. And that, again, we can circle back to that conversation about modeling. If we're giving yes. everything of ourselves and we're in a bad place, what are we showing our kids? Well, if you're a parent, it sucks. Right. <laughs> Not right. the message we want to share. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I say to them even like, hey, I need my time. This is my time. I love you very much. <laughs> but I really, I, I just need to go upstairs and read or, you know, I need to be alone and I think as as they've gotten older, you know, they kind of understand it a little more. But boy, sometimes I I just have to stand firm and say no. Yeah, <laughs> please get out of my room. I am, you know, please just give me thirty minutes. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Mom's having a break. Yes, <laughs> I give you breaks. It's time for my break. Yes. But it's hard. It is hard. It's not easy business at all. No, it can be a really challenging journey, but I think that's part of the beauty of it. It's kind of, you know, if we look at it in that way, it's kind of an adventure. You know, we have kids who are different, who are more challenging, who have more challenges. How can we still help them to craft a life with success and joy? How do we still get them to that place for them? You know, what does it look like for them? And, you know, we end up kind of creating our parenthood from scratch, (laughs) you know, and it's an adventure. It's a journey. Nobody knows what to do. (laughs) And, And it's okay not to know, right? So it's like we're, we are both learning. And I say that all the time. I'm like, boy, this was really good learning for us, wasn't it? I did not realize that about you, or I did not know that that frightened you. This is really good learning, and now that I know, so it's... I love that. Yeah. I love that, because you're showing that you're human, and that we can only do as much as we know. Yes. And we learn more, and then we can do more, and it's a good lesson for our kids, especially with challenges, you know, when you learn more about yourself, you're able to accomplish what you want to accomplish. You just might have to do it differently. Yep. So what I'm hearing is the biggest takeaway for you was that you kind of have to make it up as you go and you just have to keep going, even if it gets really challenging and, you know, you try things and you stick with what works and you change what doesn't. Exactly. And our journey is much the same. And I'm sure our audience is probably nodding their heads in agreement. (laughs) It's, you know, it's the nature of the beast, right? But it's really helpful to hear someone say, keep going, you've got this. Yes. Right? Because there's so many times when we feel like we don't have it, you know, that we're failing. Yeah. And it can be so lonely too, just to feel like, wait, am I the only one going through this? Am I the only one? And so, yeah. Yep. Not Just the keep only swimming. one. <laughs> yep. And, you know, my gosh, I am going to have a high schooler next year. So we are starting the whole hormone, you know, hygiene. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the hygiene. Hormones mm. and hygiene. So I, I could use some help with that. 
Right. You know, it always changes. It's always, yeah. it's like a moving target. I've said that for years and years. It feels like every time you, you're like, okay, we got this. We're, we're on like, we're just coasting, we're floating. Then something changes, puberty or the environment, like high school or, you know, it's their interests change. Everything changes. And that's just human nature. We all change. I mean, I'm completely different in my 40s than I was in my 20s. I never would have imagined, you know, where I am now. And it's, I think that's the beauty of kind of parenting in that way is that we're teaching our kids that they can keep adjusting and keep, you know, just taking it as an adventure. It is. You are offering a freebie to everyone, right? A free download. Do you want to tell us what that is really quick and I'll tell everybody where to get it? So I just have a big, huge list (laughs) of all the really awesome things that I have read, used, bought. And so it's, it's more of a, you know, look at it for you. I do not want anyone to go out and buy 10 things. It is more a see what, hmm, maybe this is interesting or, you know, maybe I should read this or... I say choose one small thing at a time because we can get ourselves overwhelmed (laughs) so fast easily. So it's, it's just all, you know, the best of the best because I love to share things when I find awesome things. So, so tried and true books and tools and strategies and things like that. Awesome. And, you know, sometimes you do find like a thing and you're like, how could I have lived without this thing? Yeah. For us, it was a how to hug chair. That was the biggest. Okay. Blanket for us. Weighted blanket. Yeah, that'd be second. That's the one that's lasted. He's outgrown the how to hug, but that was like the biggest transformation. Yeah. So, yeah, there's so many tools. And again, like weighted blanket for your kids and my son are amazing. For other kids, they're, they do nothing or they make them more uncomfortable. Like right. everything is just about seeing what might have worked for somebody else, deciding if it's something to try for your own kid, and then, you know, trying it with moderate expectations, right? <laughs> because yes. it all doesn't work for everyone, for sure. For sure. So, I want to tell everybody to get the freebie and for links to anything we've discussed in this episode, as well as links to Beth's website and social media. You can get all of that at the show notes. They're found at parentingadhdandautism.com slash 092 for episode 92. And I'm honored to talk to you and have you on the podcast. I know that this has been um, a really helpful conversation for so many of our parents listening. Thank you, too. Absolutely. And with that, we will end the episode. I'll see everyone next time. Thanks for joining me on the Parenting ADHD podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and share. And don't forget to check out my online courses, parent coaching, and mama retreats at parentingadhdandautism.com.